0: The full wheel chase experience. I love it. The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. Yeah, well, the good news is this um, if the Cubs do keep Bellinger and it doesn't work out long term, Jet's an idiot. If they don't right. let him, You know, if they don't keep him, he's an idiot, even if he ends up being awful afterwards.
1: Precisely. Uh, If
0: if PCA comes up and strikes out, he's a bust. So, I mean, there's absolutes no matter what the scenario, which is the great thing.
1: The key is you get to go online and assert that you're smarter than the people who (laughs) are actually running the team, who
0: have been doing this their entire lives. Jeff from Twitter, what's up, man? How's, How's it going?
1: Going great. Happy to be back. This is always a uh, fun conversation. So, excited
0: for it. It's always fun to chat about the Cubs and you know Twitter and whatever's going on these <laughs> days. How is How is Vegas going for you?
1: It's good, man. Really happy with the decision to move out here. Um, it's a nice place to live. Honestly, it's it's kind of funny. You get I live about 20, 30 minutes from the Strip, and it's like you don't really know you're in Vegas. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like it's not yeah it's not going out to the casino every night, but um, Last couple of weeks aside, weather's been good. It's – have a nice place here. It's it's a good spot.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I guess you visited before you moved out there, right? Like you kind of knew the spot and the layout and everything.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've been coming here on vacation since I was 21. Um, I'm not going to say how many years ago that was. Um, but uh, after – like when I made the decision to – I was going to check out a few other places to live because I feel like a lot of people work remotely and can work from anywhere. Um, checked out the area where like people actually live and it's just, it's really nice. It actually feels a lot like Palm Springs or um, like suburban Phoenix or whatever. Um, but it's, you know, it's reasonably uh, low cost of living and in good spots. So, and everything is right there when I want to go watch a hockey game or play craps or whatever.
0: Yeah. Were you at the uh, golden Knights parade when they won it all? So I didn't
1: get to the parade. Um, I was at the final game, which was awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was incredible vibes. Obviously they blew Florida out to win that. I watched the parade on TV. It was like, honestly, it was 98 degrees that day and it was starting at five o'clock and traffic it right here. Traffic right now is a mess because they're repaving the entire strip ahead of the F1 race in November. Plus they have two other major thoroughfares shut down. So like driving to the strip isn't the easiest thing in the world right now. So Combination yeah. of factors. I watched it on TV, which was great because I got to see them progressively get more drunk in the uh hour. Right. The parade lasted about an hour. They went from pretty sober to William Carlson <laughs> falling down and talking about God knows what at the, at the rally. So uh, yeah. good for them. They really made the most that of is it. Fun.
0: Yeah, I remember the Carlson thing. um It is just funny because I remembered him in Columbus, and he was kind of a French, I don't know, bottom six guy, and then he became a guy in Vegas just everyone out there just became utilized in a certain way that just seemed to work, the misfits and everything. But so it's funny that Carlson had that personality. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. I don't remember before that, before that, uh, parade, that drunken episode of the parade. I don't know if I knew he had a huge personality or not, but obviously we all know now.
1: Right. Well, and a lot of these guys are like in their thirties, married kids. Like they live actually a lot live out near me, which is very kind of quiet lifestyle, but, hockey players you get a few drinks in them and <laughs> fun things happen i guess it's
0: yeah i don't know if it's quite like on the tom brady level when the the bucks won right. it all and he had like one beer maybe not, It's probably like a few for sure but he was just sloshed on like a couple of drinks it seemed like exactly so i guess i mean i don't know hockey players are a different breed anyway but like i don't know how often they're all really drinking heavily anyway of course, during a playoff run, let alone the entire season and everything. I know you get a couple of days here and there, but uh, so maybe the tolerance is low. But anyway, uh, yeah, you were at like, what, all the playoff games weren't you? Most of them were home games anyway.
1: The way it worked out, and it's sort of an odd thing with this market where tickets in the regular season are harder to get than playoffs if you're kind of on your game, right? Like, because some people come from out of town to go to games. Like, they play, I don't know, Boston on a weekend or Toronto on a weekend or whomever, and it's gonna be 30% Boston fans who get the schedule in May and buy their tickets in advance and whatever. Like those weekend game, home games during the season against big market teams are actually pretty crazy expensive. When the playoffs roll around, it really shifts to more of the local crowd. Um, so like it's 90% local fans. There was, a, I mean, Edmonton turned out pretty well, but what else is there you do in Edmonton? Might as well get on an airplane <laughs> and fly to yeah. watch the hockey team play. Um, yeah, <laughs> the series, they would drop like a block for uh, playoff seats and they were, I was able to buy them through the box office each time. I mean, I was on my computer when they came out, so I kind of uh, was pretty efficient in getting on. But yeah, it wasn't bad. I was able to get all four rounds that way. And um, I mean, I just compared to like the crazy scalpers market prices I saw when like the Blackhawks went on their run and it was um, it wasn't bad. So yeah, it was, it was a really fun two month sprint, I guess, to the playoffs.
0: Before the Knights, uh, were you a big hockey guy or like, did you go to like the Blackhawk games or, or whatever?
1: Went to a decent amount back in their, their playoff years. I mean, they were a pretty fun team to watch, the, and they played some. I mean, compared like the Knights' playoff run, it was awesome that they won it. It was, I don't want to say boring, but they didn't really get into a lot of like... I, I don't think they ever had... They never faced elimination. They sort of made quick work of a number of teams. They, I mean, they jumped out to a 3-0 lead in Dallas and 3-1 lead in Florida. Um, so like some of those hockey series that they, when they get late, like if you can get to a game seven and for anything, it's, uh, it's an experience. Um, I grew up in Minnesota, so very hockey That's native right. territory. I never played, but I've went to a billion high school games, like when my high school was playing. So I always enjoyed the sport. Um, definitely more casual. I don't totally get all the intricacies of, of the strategy, but, um, yeah, it's a sport I like and it's nice to have a good team out here, and it's it's cool just to see the local community who really they don't get it in like like deep strategic way, but they just love the team. Um, it's more of like the community like they've that's their team now, and the players are super intertwined with it. Like just today, uh, Nick Wan, Zach Whitecloud were handing out like school supplies. Um,
0: okay, yeah, and they
1: really go out of their way to like have player events and charity events. They're, they're practically for me. Like they are constantly doing stuff with like kids skating clinics, whatever. So people are really just into the team, even if they're not really a hockey market, but that building was as loud as anywhere I've seen um, during that playoff run. Like they like it um, and they like the team quite a bit. So it's a, uh, it's a cool thing to see. I mean, it shows that hockey can work in non-traditional markets.
0: And now you got season tickets for next year, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got in. Um, <laughs> I felt like I sort of had to, but yeah, I got, I, yeah,
0: yeah. they look
1: okay. So, um, actually the rep just reached out this week to talk about, but yeah, they're already planning for that. Like there's a preseason, like season ticket holder event where the players show up and sign autographs. That's and Yeah. That's and they, cool. They do one in season. Um, last year was at a place here called, uh, area 15, which is like a art installation thing. Um, yeah, they, they do a lot of that, uh, sort of stuff like they've really gone out of their way to be part of the community where whereas like, oh, yeah, like yeah. Arizona is basically a money laundering organization where <laughs> um yeah Nashville took a while to kind of get that it took a long playoff run like here they I think they've really tried yep. to be to be something for the local fans and it's it's worked I mean it's a great it's a great story
0: yeah I know they were really bonded you know of course by that tragedy you know basically yeah. from day one back in like 18 but you know at the same time, they really came together and everyone kind of rallied around the team and vice versa, the community. And And then, of course, it doesn't hurt when you go to the final in your first year. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or basically a good team every single year. Even when they missed the playoffs, they were still, like, not a bad team. They just didn't right. have a great year. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then Bruce Cassidy. It's kind of funny how... Uh, you know, Boston fires him, he goes to Vegas and wins the cup, like a, I think a year to the day he was hired or something yeah, exactly. from the Bruins. And, and, you know, it's funny that the Bruins choked the way they did. So, you that know, that was a hire. that was... took
1: him about 20 seconds to make um, when they moved on from yeah. the board. It's oh, like, yeah. Oh, this, this guy who takes his team to the playoffs every year and has just, you know, Boston's got a tough run every year just to get through the playoffs in the Eastern conference. Like that's <sighs> yeah. like, just the way those divisions are set up is, is difficult. So, yeah, it was the right fit, especially for, like, a veteran team that had six pretty set defensemen um, to implement a style. Like, it's not the easiest defensive style in the world, and uh, to have veteran guys who are talented, like, just picked up on it. And you can see it over the course of the season. Like, they really peaked after the uh, All-Star break, where they had the second-best record in hockey after the All-Star break. After first half of the year was fine but uneven. But you could sort of just see everything settle into place. Like They also got guys back from injury and everything kind of meshed at that point. But it's you've got a veteran head coach with a good style with the right team. It should eventually work out, especially since half the league is run by coaches on their eighth job who just sort of float around. Yeah,
0: it definitely does seem that way. So many guys just kind of retreads and people just recycled. And, you know, like you said, Pete DeBoer, Dallas and... I don't know, but I guess they're retreads for a reason because they have some kind of success to that point for them to want to keep getting hired again. So, yeah, so let's see. The You're in Vegas. Uh, you're going to have the Vegas A's pretty soon, probably. Looks like
1: it. Looks like it, um, even though they still have no idea where they're going to build that stadium, and that's all yeah. up for grabs. <laughs> I, I, not to get too deep into the story, yeah. but they yeah. had their first so. site. It got blocked by... Um, the site that it was on wasn't going to hire union workers. So the culinary union, which is the, the, all the casino employees are part of culinary. So it's like the biggest political force as far as unions go here. Like basically told the legislators like don't approve them money to build there. So they moved to the Tropicana site. Um, Now they're saying the Tropicana site might not be big enough to build a ballpark and all the specs that they used to get their state funding were basically crap, like just made up. So now they're looking for another site potentially. So the whole, like, the A's are definitely going to move, I think, but where the actual logistics come into play is anybody's guess. Um, I think the my personal pick, the the Rio, which is just west of the Strip, has a big block of open land that they've talked about. It would have an awesome panoramic view of the Strip from the outfield. Uh, the sun would set behind home plate, so that wouldn't be a concern. They could build a big roof. There'd be plenty of parking. Um, Real, It's... Like a five minute Uber from the Strip, so it wouldn't be too far for like the tourist corridor. Um, it makes the most sense, but a lot of this process hasn't made any sense, so <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't bet on them coming to uh, their best decision. But yeah, I mean, it'll be fun. It, it'll be fun to have a baseball team out here, and now with the unbalanced schedule, the Cubs will be out here at least every other year. So, yeah.
0: And I mean, at some point, you got to figure like Chris Bryant. Maybe Bryce Harper will be the features for the Vegas right. A's or whatever they're going to call them. Well, my joke was at least they, Chris Bryant.
1: <laughs> yeah, my joke was they should have put in the, like the, uh, the the public funding. Like they have to acquire Chris Bryant at any cost. Take on the whole contract. Like
0: that makes the most sense right now because Bryce Harper is still really, really good, and he'll probably be really, really good for a while. But Chris Bryant is already just, you know. You probably could have expected it i mean maybe maybe people were i don't know about you were you optimistic when he went to the rockies that he was going to actually be healthy enough to even play and hit you know 50 home runs or 30 home runs at least in course field or be kind of what it's been good question i so <laughs> i
1: was glad the cubs didn't send him at that number yeah. as much as i loved his time here right um that seemed like his injuries are things that linger like the shoulder injury just is never going to get better, and he could still be productive. I didn't think it would be this bad. Yeah. Um. I mean, he had one as of before he went on the IL again. He had one extra base hit the opposite way the entire season. Um. He had a home run to right and course, like Chris Bryant's game was he could hit to all fields and he had power to all fields and like he had one hit uh, extra base hit the other way. Like that's that's not just injuries. Like that's something shocking that. Just didn't see it coming. And now, like, he has been on the IL two or three times this year. He missed most of last year. And it's like plantar fasciitis doesn't really get better if you're playing sports all the time. Like, bad shoulder doesn't get better if you're playing sports all the time. Like, that body type being, like, long and lanky is not going to age particularly well. So, like, there were warning signs, but this has been... I mean, it's set like I wanted to do well. Like I still like the guy. It's
0: yeah. Right. It
1: sucks to see, but it's, you know, yeah. from the Cubs perspective, you kind of understand why they moved on.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) there's so many people. I I won't say so many people, but we see it on Twitter. So many, it seems like so many people. And I have to remember, I really think Twitter is more so the extreme outlier most of the time, just because 95 or what feels like 95% of what you're seeing feels like an overwhelming population of people that think this certain way. I got to think that this is just the weird universe that we see, and it just feels like it's you know the uh ultimate opinion but it felt like everybody was just you know sign bryant sign these guys keep these guys because of what they did and i get it but i mean god if jed did (laughs) if he did somehow re-sign baez bryant and maybe maybe um You know, maybe Baez would be a little would have been a little bit better anyway, sticking in the Chicago and not going to Detroit. And you know, Chris Bryant would still have the injury issues. Rizzo was looking pretty decent, and this year now we know for sure. Yeah, he has that concussion, which was so obvious. I thought you you go back to that Tatis play and his production just fell off a cliff on the base paths. And, And even with Chris Bryant, I mean, whether or not this is really the case, I always go back to the head. Uh, the ball to the head in 18 yeah. against the Rockies. I mean, whether or not that's it, it just felt like that can't help. <laughs>
1: no, no, for sure. Um, and concussions are really weird. Like, some guys bounce back the next day. Some, it can last weeks or months. Um, I mean, Joe Maurer back in Minnesota got a concussion, and he couldn't hit for power anymore after. And, like, you wouldn't think those things are linked, but, you know, they they are. Like, it's just it's one of those injuries you just don't know how, like, players are going to respond to it. Um, I think yeah. doctors are even, like, kind of unsure of the best way to rehab a concussion um, and how to bring players back. Um, yeah, I mean, the sentiment that... I, I get the 2021 20, trade deadline was traumatic for a lot of people to see yeah. their heroes be traded, but, like, you can't look at this empirically right now and be and, and say, like, they would be in a better place had they just re-signed all three of those players. Oh,
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no
1: number that says that would be helpful. They wouldn't have PCA and Alcantara, who're two of their top
0: four prospects
1: now, five prospects now. It's yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, PCA will probably you got to figure he's probably got a shot at being up in September, right? Especially sometime next year for sure. But he's in AAA now. Maybe he gets called up in September. Who knows? But yeah, he's progressing through the system fast. So.
1: Yeah, and I think once they can add two more players in September, I mean, I don't know who... They'll definitely bring up a yeah. pitcher because teams always do that, but I don't know who else is going to be passing them in the order for that. Like They don't yeah. need to, I mean, I a guess... third catcher. Like They don't need to add yeah. like a strategic piece, depth piece, so why not give him a shot?
0: Uh, did you think Matt Mervis would be up again by now, or do you think he's the guy in September, too, that's probably coming up?
1: yeah that's another possibility for sure um i did think the first one was rushed just because he outperformed so much in triple um i do think internally that they had a reason for sending him down to begin with and sort of sat on that and in the majors he obviously struggled um i am still optimistic about him long term i just think a guy with that much power that produces that much in triple a is going to be something but i could also see that they're seeing something internally like yeah what do he really struggle with was it Was it high fastballs in the bigs that he couldn't hit? There's like some something they kept attacking him with and he just couldn't do it at the major league level. Like they could see, okay, let's keep him down for this entire year, really work on this, maybe fall league. He could play in the fall league and come up next year and be like more acclimated. Like you don't want to bring a guy up to have him fail if you know it's right. It's preventable. Um no matter what they're doing in the minors. Um so yeah, it's not like I think they're they're looking big picture with him.
0: Well, when he came up in May, he was supposed to be the hero and like the guy that was going to carry the Cubs on the, on his back. And because he had some struggles, he's obviously a bust now, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll never be good again. No players ever come up
0: and not uh, <laughs> immediately been a five win player and then turned into something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was I mean, a struggle. He's obviously had been awful ever since. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> no if you don't it, yeah. it, it's development is famously linear right like if you just don't yeah. get better at every single level <laughs> and produce like players yep. never make adjustments or improve
0: nope never nope i Suburban's mean cody, is cody, cody, Be-
1: cody bellinger he had those two bad seasons and he never recovered
0: yeah i mean he's an mvp but that's that's ancient history now so but right. actually no it's actually the one uh or one of the few i guess or i'm um, i do not know It's one of the really good moves that, obviously, the Cubs did make that's really worked out. Obviously, um, low risk, high reward, and they've seen the high reward of late. You know, Jed actually did. You know, he made the move that is, you know... It's like... um, I know the favorite thing has been to kind of criticize it, and it makes sense with the way things were kind of playing out over time at times, but... uh, I don't know. Things kind of feel... Optimistic, good. I mean, I hope that the Cubs are actually playing pretty decently these days. Right. Um, and it's cool that they I know a lot of people I think really were trying or hoping that the Cubs would buy or at least not sell. And honestly, how do you I mean if you if you do sell uh after winning like eight in a row, <laughs> it just yeah. feels like the vibe would have just deflated. I just yeah, I don't know. Course. You know, I get that. I get some people that would say, you know, don't buy in the false hope and you know, get the big time, you know, people that you can get back in a trade, but there's never a guarantee that the prospects you get back are going to do anything or, exactly. um, you know, or maybe it's, maybe they play well, um, whether or not they get into the playoffs play well, keep this vibe going. They build off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can help, you know, your future prospects in terms of what, pe- how people look at your organization going forward too. I feel like.
1: Right, and well, and I think too that the way they bought at this deadline, it was pieces that were going to have trouble finding a forty-man spot next year. Um, they traded their fourteen and sixteenth ranked prospects for Condalario, yeah. who was a really nice rental bat to pick up. Um, and it's like what they're by not—they didn't need to sell to just like boost their system, just to do it right. Like yeah. this isn't like it was two years ago where there wasn't a lot there and they had to really accumulate prospects externally. Like just by not trading a top 10 prospect or not pushing the chips in with like, let's say Jordan Wicks or something like they kind of stood pat with their system. That's all still there, but they didn't subtract from the major league roster. They can kind of compete while also not like going all in with it, not going full Dombrowski or AJ Preller or whatever, where it's used to your system to get one player to chase one world series. Like they're kind of splitting the difference. I think the team is presently constituted is absolutely good enough to win this division. Um, oh yeah. Absolutely good enough to, I mean, there's, the having three wild card spots is a game changer too, because like competing for that last one, you're not going against like a hundred win team. It's going to be like the Marlins or Diamondbacks or whomever this year. Um, so i I, I would have liked to add another reliever, but also none of the relievers you got traded, like were game breakers in my view. Like Seawol and Barlow are pretty good, but also like that isn't going to change your fortunes in a major way with or without those. So like, I think the way they managed it was good. Like they didn't touch any of the big time prospects. They didn't endanger their future at all, but they also are going to give it a go this year. They added a useful piece in Candelario and like, it's fun to be here on in the middle of August, like still competing for something that hasn't been the way it's been for two years. So it's, um, it's a good spot.
0: Yeah. And, uh, for the most part, if the offense... I mean, it's not going to happen, but if, if the offense can just score an NFL-like numbers every game, exactly. then you don't even need a bullpen. So you can right, score 14 right. a game.
1: <laughs> right. Tucker Barnhart can catch uh, two innings a game.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's funny, too, because... They've had a couple of games within the last, uh, well, going back to July, the 17 runs against the Nats and 20 against the Reds. Oh, and then 16 against the Reds. So you know they're putting up, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Bears like offensive numbers. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, so, I, yeah, I slipped
1: it's, that it's, that one on Twitter the other night. People,
0: oh yeah, I saw. Just that. <laughs> a couple
1: picked up on it and got angry at me. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's. The the Candelario thing just kind of fits with what they needed, just more stability from yeah. first and third base and her offensively. And yeah, like they're absolutely coming together as an offense. Like they've probably been the hottest team in baseball since the All Star break, right? Like yeah, uh, who's played yep, yep. significantly better. Um, and now it's translating into wins, which hasn't been the case all year, um, where they've kind of yeah. underperformed their their uh, second order numbers. But yeah, it's it's. It's fun, I mean, we'll see how long it goes, but they've got an easy schedule. They don't have a ton of competition in the division. Um right. Milwaukee's always an annoyance who seems to always do better than what they probably should do, but there are two games back they feel in
0: right now. yeah, Milwaukee doesn't feel all right, I mean, all that scary, and the Reds are kind of crumbling a little bit right now, yeah, maybe the Cubs broke them, the Nats, you know got one past them, so. Right. You know, we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be probably a three-team race, I would assume, down the stretch. But um, I mean, I don't really think any one team is going to emerge all of yeah. a sudden, unless it, maybe it is the Cubs. Maybe the offense keeps it going, and maybe um, you know they build up some kind of a lead. But I would assume that the top three in the Central will be, you know, the way it's been for the most part in just kind of a couple of right. games or so um yeah the wild card is definitely a game changer because they're right in the thick of both it's not like you have to win one or you're not going to get in it's either a couple games out of the central a couple games out of the wild card spot so it's kind of the best of both worlds right now for a team that i was hoping and in going into the air was going to be in that 80 you know at best like 80 85 win range and that might be the case yeah um but that might be enough too, which is what I was thinking. You know, we yeah, went prediction games, you probably my prediction
1: coming in was eighty-two wins, but I thought that there was more room to the upside than below that. Like I just thought the floor was yeah. gonna be high. But like yeah, if they had gone five wins over that, it wouldn't have surprised me. It would've surprised me more to be at seventy seven wins, just because like you bring in a five six win player in Swanson, um, that's gonna just kind of be a like a high floor type player, um, like improving from last year. I uh, just thought we'd see some improvement with the pitching staff. They were going to call up some actual talented prospects. But yeah, I mean, they're. I'm happy to be very wrong saying 82 if they end up winning 88, 89 games.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think right now, I believe, I know they're like 14 and seven so far in the second half. So I think that's the best mark since the All Star break. It's one of the best marks anyway. Um, and the offense has been one of the best offenses. So yeah. So after this Braves series, they. Have the Mets, which I'm not going to assume anything, but they should at least right. take the series. You know, you've got what is it? I know Toronto will be tough, but uh, I don't know. It was like yeah, Pittsburgh, and I think was Kansas City on the Kansas schedule. City's or, coming in. I don't know. No, they're
1: the, Kansas City is the real hottest team in baseball right they now. Are the been, they're the seven game winning streak. Yeah,
0: yeah. They had this tweet. <laughs> Did you see this tweet from like Friday where uh, it was like. Um has has this team lost in their last seven games? They circled all the other... Every other team was circled, and then Kansas City has won seven in a row. It's like, not us. We haven't lost a game in our last seven <laughs> games. So I love a team that's won, like, 30 games.
1: Yeah, player, exactly. Uh,
0: owning that, but... <laughs> yeah, they won um, four in a
1: row now. So that just means the Padres are the only team that hasn't won four games in a row all season.
0: Yeah, so, you know, the Padres... Um, it, it is funny, because... You look at San Diego, you look at the Mets, you look at teams that are not afraid to spend money, and then you talk about two of the top, I think top three payrolls, including the Yankees, but really the Padres and Mets um, being under 500, or at least, I think the Padres are closing on 500, but either way, they're both not where they want to be, even though San Diego still has a shot at it. (laughs) But like, would you rather, I don't know, on the one hand, it's like, you can't really blame the owner, I guess, if they're spending the money. It's just how are you, how is the team going to utilize it, and how are the players going to perform? But we know payroll isn't everything. You just ask the Mets. But at the same time, you've got to spend. So, I don't know. It's kind of funny to watch it play out the way it has for teams like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the teams that you see are, that are really successful year, in, year out like the Braves, the Dodgers, the yeah. Astros, um, they build up enough from their own system um, depth-wise. And they have – it's not just like the Astros turning out Jeremy Pena as his- uh Correa left or like that sort of thing. But also, they – built they like find three outfielders to fill in two spots and have a backup like out of their system and then they go like you can go out and spend big on a star or two around that but you can't just like completely drain all your depth and like the padres have had rigor odor taking a lot of yep. starts at second and like nelson cruz is about 200 years old now is like they're opening there was a cruising carpenter as their dh platoon which would have been awesome in 2013 it's not as good now like it's great that they like the top four of their order is incredible, but then it really drops off after that. And you just kind of put yourself in a place where you've got sort of a single point of failure. If like Tatis and Soto have a bad stretch, you don't have anything in the bottom of your order to, to pick that up. Like, whereas you know the, the Braves have go nine deep in their, their lineup. They have capable players off the bench. They have a, I mean, they've had, I think eight pitchers in their rotation and all have been pretty solid this year. Like, that's kind of the, the, the ideal, right? Like, you have enough internally that you can fill out 26 solid roster spots, but also be able to spend on the one big star or the two big stars, which I'm hoping that's the direction the Cubs are currently going in, um, where they'll have be able to actually kick up a lot of guys out of the system. But then, you know, the pipe dreams so Tommy this offseason, or maybe Soto after next offseason, or whoever. I think Cor- Corbin Burns is up after next season. To be able to, to add that one big name in free agency, but also, like, that's not where all your chips are pushed in on.
0: I say just go get all get all three, get burned. Yeah, get, why not? You know, Soto, Otani. Why not? I mean but yeah, I with Otani, uh are you worried about him, you know being a guy that probably gets like five, 600 million bucks. And then maybe in three years, he's a full-time DH because the pitching falls off or, you know, he's not going to be able to pitch forever. I assume, even though he is a unicorn and a freak, but right. you know, it's, I, I just, I mean, on the one hand, I'm just like, who cares? Just got, get, get him now and just see what happens. You never know. But at the same yeah, time, I'd, I could see, you know,
1: <laughs> I, mean, I don't think that there's a reasonable price. I wouldn't pay. Cause yeah. at least for a few years, he's going to be your best pitcher and hitter.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah right
1: so i mean we're like when now we're about to later can't pitch anymore for whatever reason falls off the cliff like he could probably take an outfield spot like he played outfield yeah um, that's true in japan so i don't know like i i I just i can't he's gonna get 500 million dollars from somebody just i think it's gonna be like there's gonna be at least five or six teams that will offer that it's sort of where he feels most comfortable i think chicago is definitely in the mix like i don't think i don't think he wants to go to the east coast he's kind of made that clear before um i think part of it's just like proximity to fly back to japan um but it's like a 12-hour flight from chicago it's about 10 and a half from california so who really cares i mean the dodgers will probably be in it like san diego will probably be in it um seattle is probably going to be in it um,
0: seattle yeah
1: but i think it's going to not just be the money like because that's going to be a lot from whoever it is it's going to be, be there yeah competitiveness of the team it's going to be a place he feels comfortable living it's going to be um potential like endorsement opportunities um he also really likes disneyland so that could be a factor for the california teams um yeah but yeah it's gonna it's gonna be like a pitch though it's almost like when he first came over where they could only pay him the minimum yeah. so it was um sitting down with teams and like going over quality of life and the city and what the team's like plans were to compete it's now the same thing it's just gonna be a much higher number um almost like Steve Cohen comes in and like legitimately offers him a billion dollars. It's going to be uh really more about where he wants to play. So, uh,
0: yeah. Well, I know that Cohen apparently kind of was like, no, we're still going to, we're still going to be trying to contend in 2024. But if Otani is serious about trying to be on a true contender, I don't know that the Mets are that. Sure. I mean, who knows they might, and he might elevate them anyway, any team really. But yeah, I think uh I would definitely take him for sure. I'm not worried about the money. I mean, <laughs> Rick yeah. is a billionaire. They could figure that out. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's kinda it's kinda like when the Cubs signed Hayward and not that you ever really expected him maybe to fall off and not have the offense, but you're thinking, We're all in. We're trying to win now. If we win now, this is worth it. We'll deal with right. it three 100%. or four years. And then we'll complain about it in the moment. Oh, otherwise of it's of fine. Course.
1: No, we'll complain the following five years, but really, like, there isn't anything that they did from 2015 to 2020. I mean, like, there's guys they didn't add that you can complain about, but, like, no, you just – flags fly forever and all that. Like, if you win one World Series, that's worth 10 years of goodwill, even though the Cubs uh, fan base hasn't really given them that, but (laughs) – there's other factors. They, already, there. they
0: wanted Joe Madden fired. The second uh game seven was about to begin. They were they were done with Joe Madden, I think.
1: <laughs> oh no, it's incredible. It's like people still complain about game seven, which they won about how he managed. Yep. Like he didn't make it easy enough. It's like it was never gonna be easy. Come on. It's the Cubs. Right, like, yeah. Know, they had to the the go through the river one way or another if it's <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's no such thing as easy when you're talking about the Cubs. But, um, yeah, Otani is definitely going to be one to watch. I hope they make that happen, or at least are seriously in the conversation. You know, obviously you can't say, we, we offered him $200 million, full well knowing he took 500 or 600 from serious right. offers. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I know the Cubs have taken a lot of, ownership's taken a lot of grief for things last couple of years, but maybe it's going to end up being the right, um, you know, half because they didn't want to spend just to spend when they knew that maybe they weren't ready to contend or win yet. Swanson obviously was that first splash kind of in a while, and so maybe it is going to be this offseason where they're like, okay, we're all all in. We got guys coming up, PCA, or um, we made that push. We got in the playoffs, whatever. I mean, remember the Orioles last year? Um, I don't know we thought they were going to be like this this year, but we saw last year how they were starting to become not a laughing stock, right and um they were like a 500 team last year and uh now they are possibly going to win the uh, ales because tampa bay is kind of they're still really good but they haven't been as unbeatable um and i don't know that the cubs are going to be the best team in baseball next year but they're definitely it looks like they're finally on that trajectory of what you would have hoped for
1: yeah and and, you know like i think there's stuff to knock Ownership spending on um, in like 2017 and 18, um, they could have gone out and got Lorenzo Cain, which would have won them another division. Or Harper yeah. was obviously out there. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the decision making after that though was actually like we need to pivot our organization um, yeah. in terms of like the our key players are declining in value, they're going to hit free agency, like we and we have nothing in the system. Like it felt more like strategic baseball decisions than like just being cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is going to be a good test in the next two off seasons. Like I, I personally believe this ownership group will spend when they think it makes sense to spend Right. Like when they think they're close, they, they won't care about blowing through the luxury tax. I mean, I don't know that they'll spend $400 million on payroll, like the Mets are close to, but if it's to get Shohei Otani or if it's to get like the, another pitcher that really solidifies the rotation, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, yeah. I think I agree. A lot of stuff you can look at in, in the last two years as a lens of like what was best for like a baseball decision,
0: not, about financial reasons. Um, that's the way I think about it. Yeah. I'm looking yeah, at it kind of from the smart strategic element right. the last couple of years or so. But I think
1: when you're close, like, and it, you can add, you can't build a roster through free agency, but you can complete a roster in free agency. Um, and I think when you're, the Cubs are nearing a point where they're in that, like, complete the roster in free agency mode. So that's adding, maybe you pay two relievers a little bit over market and, like, just eat it that way. Um, but like the Orioles are in the case now, where like they are well suited to go out and spend in free agency. But I don't know, like I don't know that Angelos is going to do that necessarily. I think that's yeah. a team that's going to be really interesting to watch what they end up doing. But like they need to go out and sign one of the free agent pitchers that hits this winner, like Nola or Giolito, or um, if Stroman opts out, something like that. And if they don't go out and pony up a hundred million dollars to sign Aaron Nola for three, four years, like then it really calls into question how committed they are to actually optimizing that roster but for the Cubs, yeah. sake, like i don't know i would be very surprised if they didn't go through the luxury tax next year at least be in on otani um sign mm-hmm. a pitcher as well like i just don't think that's going to be a concern whereas i don't know like you can knock them for stuff five years ago but right now it just seems like they were trying to realign uh, strategically for being the best position in 2023
0: well, I know there was a lot of fire Jed takes basically all up until maybe the last few weeks, because, you know, why not, right? You gotta yeah, fire course. everyone that doesn't, <laughs> if you're you not winning, you should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't do that, I think uh, I had even heard, um, you know, like, ownership was basically telling Jed, yeah, spend this money, and he was like, no, nah, I'm not ready to, I think that's what I was hearing, or gotcha. that's what Jed was basically saying, but... I don't know. I don't know. Apparently he had, I think it was Jed and I guess he had the resources available, but he was like, I'm not ready to utilize this yet. I don't want to spend this money just to spend it. If we're not really, we don't feel right or we don't feel ready. So um, yeah, Swats has been like one of the best shortstops of that group from last offseason that the Cubs right. were able to, to get, and that's really worked out well. Um, it was I still the see the occasion.
1: decision. It was the biggest decision Jed had to make was, yeah, in that shortstop market. And actually going back a year before with Baez out there as well and somebody else was too that I can't think of right now. But like this year with the four big free agents hit in with Bogert's um Turner and Correa, like he got that completely correct. And he yeah. actually signed the one that was the least flashy who's been the best performer. And who seems yeah. to love playing here and play the fans are big like into them and all that. Like that is worth a lot more to me in terms of evaluating jet as good at his job and like signing Eric Cosmer for the league minimum cutting him after two months is people want to knock mistakes but like when you're paying $170 million for a shortstop like you have to get that right or else it really is has long-term ramifications and they nailed it like and they went against conventional wisdom which everybody wanted Turner everybody wanted um Correa and they got it right so
0: that's great it would have been great if the Mets uh did get Correa because that would have just added fuel to that fire. Just, yeah, definitely. You know, but, uh, I guess he's been all right. He's not been great. I don't think with Minnesota, I haven't really looked at his numbers lately, he's but like
1: a two win player thus far. He yeah. struggled early. He yeah. sort of come on lately, but he had a bad, right. um, first few months.
0: And I know Trey Turner has been getting booed in Philly, although I think he got like a standing O the, re- the other day as like a, yeah. as like a, we still believe it, but you know, he'll be fine. I think, but, that's also Philly. I mean, right. don't boo anybody well, no, any it's, I was anyway. actually watching.
1: They gave him a standing ovation, and then he softly lined out to second, and they started booing.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. So, uh, they
1: they gave him one chance, and now it's uh <laughs> <results> <laughs> they
0: must business. must have thought, reverse, reverse psychology, let's actually try to cheer him. We'll, we'll like, exactly. build this, manifest it. Okay, never mind. He's a bust. Yeah.
1: Well, and the announcers were, like, working overtime to talk about how great Philly fans are and how supportive they are, and... It's like, well, they booed him as soon as he didn't like hit a home run, so uh, it only goes so far.
0: Yeah. Um. So David Ross. So a lot of people want him fired, of course. Usually, um, this is the guy that I get it. You got to separate what he did seven years ago to now, but this is the guy that did hit a home run in his yeah, last exactly. game as a player to help the Cubs win the World Series. He becomes a manager. Uh, it's either. What is he doing? Horrible, awful. Should be fired. Not serious, or oh yeah, maybe maybe this is actually decent. You know, it depends on what you're looking at that day. Sure. But uh, where do you come across Ross now? So what's what's the vibe on David Ross for you?
1: So I have come around a little bit on him as a good manager. I mean, I think he does stuff that does seem obviously kind of dumb, intra in game. But I think with evaluating managers, you sort of have to like zoom out and look like big picture at stuff because something that happens a lot is, like, he brings in a reliever, reliever gives up the lead, it's like, well, why didn't you bring in the other guy? It's like, well, we don't know what the other, like, there's a lot of what's the next best option. I'll say up front, um, I don't really care about lineup construction outside of, like, not making obvious mistakes, like, Tucker Barnhart leading off would be a problem, (laughs) but if a guy's batting fifth or a guy's batting seventh, I just don't really care that much. Most of the time, they get the same amount of at-bats. Like, there should be a few things that make sense, but, like, Like, the lineup tweet comes out every day and everybody loses their mind. It's like, I just don't really care that much. Like, I just want the correct nine players in there, whatever order it is. Who cares? Bullpen usage is wonky. It's sort of hard to quantify, like, what the optimal bullpen usage is. I think a lot of the stuff in May that I was most upset about ultimately was just, like, he didn't have any good relievers to turn to. Um, I had some issue with like it took a while to find correct roles for everybody, which should be sort of hammered out by the end of April. But now they've kind of reached that point, like Alzheimer's the closer, like Lighters like the fireman, um, and especially against lefties. Um, Merriweather is getting some good spots to pitch and I think Palencia is sort of becoming a middle innings, um, bring him in like a clean inning and he can uh he he has some walk issues, but other than that he's got some great stuff. So that works out. So I don't know how much of that was necessarily David Ross being an idiot or just like he had a lot of bad options and just was having trouble putting the pieces together. That's
0: kind of what I would. Yeah, probably I'm trying to uh, juggle, make the most of something that you don't know at the time. <laughs> exactly.
1: So here's my contrarian viewpoint. I'll, I'm going to defend David Ross. Which I never thought I'd do, but this is looking at things, taking a step back and like looking at actual performance. Um, Somebody who's a lot smarter than me about this. Russell Carlton wrote a book, and in the book, he has a chapter about um, evaluating managers, right? Like, and a lot of the stuff people look at that they call the manager an idiot or a genius, like you just can't really separate good from bad by looking at that. And there's stuff we don't know about, right? Like maybe a, a relief pitcher isn't feeling very well that day, so yeah. you're trying to hold him back. It's like, oh, why didn't you yep. bring in Alzolite here? It's like, well, he's actually got a pretty bad cold. Like he was just there in mm-hmm. emergency role, whatever. Or guys having a bad day stuff we don't see that
0: hung over like, the night before
1: exactly ex- i didn't want yeah. to go there yes maybe night yep. in the town maybe cody <laughs> took an it's edi- one too many edibles he's not really yeah. good that high in the order whatever and like yeah. these little decisions of guy a over guy b in one game doesn't make a big difference in the grand scheme of things but russell carlton's theory is that the best way to evaluate managers is because the baseball season's long the best managers outperform in the second half of the year that they are good at managing rest at Keeping everybody in- engaged for a six month season. Like, I'm sure, even as a professional, when you get to the middle of the season, you're just like, all right, I got to wake up early, get to this, like, prepare to face a top 50 pitcher in the world. Like, things are going to get kind of slip. And his case was yep. the best managers are guys who outperform in August and September. Um, at the time he wrote this book, like, six years ago, like, he put out his list of, by his metric of like, outperformance in the back half of the season, his top five managers. And, like, anybody who looked at, li- at that list would like, agree with it. Just sort of, yeah, I think these are five of the, let's say, seven best managers in the game. Like Madden was on the list at the time, Bruce Bochy, um, that sort of thing. So it sort of made sense. So using that metric, I I prepared some stats here. Um, So here's been David Ross in September relative to Joe Madden um, in his last two seasons. So 2018 Cubs, they won 95 games, but September 571 winning percentage is their second worst month of the season. 2019, 407 winning percentage in September, their worst month of the season. Ross gets hired in 2020. We'll throw that year out because it was the COVID year, 60 games. Who cares? All right, 2021, after they, they traded everybody, September-October record, 500, their second best month of the year with Frank Schwindel and Rafael Ortega and uh, what was the guy, John Wishi, Fargus playing key roles.
0: Oh, right, Fargus, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, a lot of Cubs legends that year then 2022 uh september october their best month of the season they had a 600 winning percentage in september after trading guys at the deadline as well also last year uh first half 380 winning percentage after they traded everybody 557 winning percentage in the second half um this year like we said hottest team in baseball since the all-star break if you want to look at that as a as a benchmark for like actually evaluating managers david ross has been very good at keeping his teams engaged in the second half of the year late into the year and actually improving over time time will tell we'll see how they do at the end of this year but there could be something there that isn't seen when you're evaluating on like a game-by-game basis um yeah and pulling putting the wrong reliever in or batting nick madrigal too high it's like well maybe big picture he's very good at resting guys appropriately or keeping them playing six good months of baseball um and not burning out and may or whatever so i thought that was interesting though just that like ross seems to get ross's team seem to get better as the year goes on which like
0: last year yeah
1: by this really good baseball prospectus writer who worked for the mets like said that's the best way to look at a manager so i don't know i didn't think i'd be coming out and defend him but i do think that there's something to be said that they play a full six-month season whereas other teams have more of a drop-off and if that's ross's doing it in any way it's a it's a real credit to him
0: yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I know last year they were kind of surprising there, but uh, towards the end, a little bit, or just kind of just being competitive, really. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's that's true. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, 2020 throw it away, but that was technically a playoff team for what that's worth. So, right. you know, and then of course, it's always hard anyway to, to you know, aside from uh, obvious game mismanagement or, or whatever on a day to day basis, um, it's it's so hard to know how much is a guy like David Ross in control of his lineup or um, what's he having to deal with from the front office or Mm -hmm. what's the roster that he has to play with? You know, you don't have the, you get rid of all your best guys in 2021. So what do you expect? You're not really going to have much of a season or a team to, um, you know, really be able to work with or contend with. So there's so much randomness anyway, that goes into the whole baseball. I think more than um, maybe more than any other sport, I just feel like it's so hard to know how much the manager, too much blame, too much credit. It's hard to say who, you know, you could kind of tell like when a guy, like you said, Bruce Bochy, Joe Madden, like Joe Torrey back in the day, you know, like they had a really solid, uh, whatever it was, something about them is why they were able to do what they were able to do. But still, there's just so much randomness at play.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing that really bothered me with Ross's teams in the first half of the year or Ross's team this year in the first half of the year, is they just seemed like they made a lot of dumb mistakes. Like, they just played a really stupid brand of baseball. That's kind of been buttoned up uh, lately. Um, I mean, I think the best thing you can ask out of, out of a manager is just that, like, he gets the team ready to play at the same level every day, um, at a high level. Because, like, once you hit the professional ranks, like, what's a coach going to tell you about hitting the cutoff man or something? Like, you should be able to do that on your own. But, like, the, that, to build a culture where everybody... Shows up early and works hard and prepares themselves the best way possible and like guys are resting adequately, so they're as good on opening day as they're on game one sixty-two. Like that's that's what I would want to see and I, I don't know, like I honestly don't know if that's happening, but like the statistics kind of show that it is. So that'd be the case to keep them. I don't know. It's always fun to blame the manager because people hate blaming the players. Like we like the players. Yeah. Blame
0: the guys. Well, I don't
1: Telling them what to do.
0: <laughs> exactly um i don't know if you're watching i'm, I'm assuming you don't know what the cup score is right now right i've got on it on Saturday. actually <laughs> behind the laptop i've got it on they're uh doing pretty well i just checked the score so it's like five one so i mean there you go you score yeah, 10 exactly. runs an inning or a game you're fine so swanson and candelaria
1: both uh homered in the first so that's
0: helpful. i really hope they uh finish this game so here's one thing i almost tweeted yesterday i've seen i've seen a lot of people say i just hope the cubs win one game i'll consider that a success against the braves i'm thinking no i don't care how good the braves are they're not they're not uh undefeated you know the the a's took a series from the braves the white Sox took a series from the braves I want the Cubs to win, two, and I'll be happy. If they win one, fine. Like, they got at least one. But I'm not going to sit here and say, all right, at least we beat the uh, 2023 Braves. Yeah, they're a really good team. They might win it all. They're probably my favorite or pick to win. But (laughs) I'm not sitting here. They're not the 98 Yankees or whatever. Exactly. They're not, like, undefeated. Like, come on.
1: The spread between the Cubs and the Braves isn't so high that we should feel good just not getting swept. Like,
0: yeah, no, exactly. We're not talking about the 2023 Kansas City uh, Royals here, but right. So you mentioned Fargas too. Um, it's funny too because uh, I forgot about him on the on that Cubs team, but he was one of the guys when I was down in Augusta as an intern, and he was on the Giants uh, uh, in, in Augusta in 2016, Girl. and he was one of the really speedy guys stealing bases and all that. I think he might've had a record for so many steals in a season, but one of my, one of my like go-to memories I think of is when, um, I don't know. I think I took him and a bunch of just a bunch of the guys that didn't have a car to like go to Kroger and get groceries or whatever. And I just remember us and Kroger and Fargus was like, yeah, you should come by and drink a beer with us or whatever. But it it was just funny because then he's like in the major leagues and it's kind of it's kind of cool when you see guys that you don't necessarily expect to be maybe in the major leagues, even if it's just for a a couple of months to have any kind of success like that. It's cool. Like Logan Webb is the ace of the Giants now. Yeah. I don't know if I knew he was gonna be good back then. I think he uh was only in Augusta for a month when he had to have, I think, Tommy John surgery. So but the Vargas okay. one, I was like, oh, that's right. He was with the Cubs in 2021. Good for
1: him. He seems like a nice guy. Glad he yeah. at least got a shot in the show.
0: Exactly. I think uh I don't know if he's even in the majors right now or maybe he's with the Mets. I know he was with the Mets. I don't know where he's at now, but it's a great question. Yeah. I don't know. With uh Candelario like do you uh do you remember like obviously you remember Nick Castellanos and the Cubs got him at the deadline yep. he was like the guy Nuclear, they didn't yeah. they didn't keep him and it was disappointing um do you feel like Candelario I'm not saying he's Castellanos but kind of that same vibe right now it's only been a few games obviously since sure. they got him but just coming and raking all of a sudden and kind of just keeping that vibe going or or even enhancing that that vibe the offense he's producing right away. Who knows how long that's going to continue. He's a really good player so it, you know you, yeah. you expect at least but um yeah it, it kind of brought that vibe back a little bit at least so far. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's kind of lost cuz he plays for the Nationals which don't get a lot of attention for probably good reason this year but like he's been really good this season. Um yeah. and I think uh I think it was Brandon Miller posted some like heat map charts of his and like he's turn from he used to have a pretty bad weakness like up in the zone especially velocity up in the zone like he's been really good at that this year so there's actual tangible changes um underlying his performance so like he's a good player to begin with and like now he goes from playing for a last place team to somebody who's right in the heart of the race with with sold out stadiums every night like that's gotta give you a bit of wind under your sails of your hand um yeah, and the thing is, they don't need him to be what Castellanos was in 2019. Yeah. 2019, when they got him. Um, where, like, they needed him to be their number two hitter and actually put up what he was putting up because that offense was uh, pretty bad. Um, he's batting six for them and he's adding depth to the lineup. And if he can do just what he was doing before he got traded, like that, my, my biggest concern about this team was just like how extending that lineup out and, um, Obviously, Bellinger playing at a near MVP level has helped that, but like I, I thought that they'd kind of be clustered. They'd have some talent at the top, but like getting six through eight, six through nine like, hitters was going to be a problem. Like kind of gives them a ton more at the bottom of that order and like a real power threat. And they don't yeah. need to be a MVP. They just, like, they just need to do what he was doing. And that's all of a sudden a pretty competitive lineup that you could put up against just about anybody
0: yeah when he's doing that, and Swanson City home runs almost what feels like every game now, and Bellinger is being bellinger, right, I mean, yeah, like you said, so it's a legitimate threat in that lineup now, and it didn't always feel that way, but uh yeah, it's just it's been fun obviously to see these guys mashing
1: and- if like Nick Madrigal as a nine hitter can just kind of be what he like he doesn't have to be incredible like if he can just be a pest in that nine hole and get on base at, like, a 340, 350 clip, like, all of a sudden, you've got a good lineup top to bottom. Like, there isn't, you're not going to have one inning where it's, you're just, like, looking at who's due up, and, like, yeah, we're just, we're done. We're not going to score here.
0: Do you want to see them keep Bellinger long-term, or, um, because I think before the year, weren't you thinking, like, he's blocked? I mean I mean, not he's blocked, but he would be blocking, like, PCA or whatever, but if he's playing, I don't know, I guess... I was going to say first base, but I don't know if Candelaria is going to be in their future going forward either. But I mean, what do you think about, you know, giving a guy like Bellinger, whatever long-term deal that would look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've come around like I, again, the devil's in the details in terms of like what the actual numbers are. I would rather not pay him as a center fielder to play first base. Um, but with the way he's played this year, like it's going to be hard to not at least be heavily engaged. on bringing him back. um, PCA like their number one prospect plays center field and their number two position prospect plays center field so you're getting a bit of a logjam there but also like there is outside of Otani there isn't a better hitter on the market this winter um, he is a perfect fit for this lineup they seem to have fixed whatever was wrong with him in LA he's I mean he's the NL Player of the Month of July for good reason I would have a tough time letting him walk for unless it's just some ridiculous salary that he gets like but i think up to 160 180 million is for 6 years is pretty reasonable for what he could be um, i was like i was trying to find like comps cuz it's there's obviously risk involved too like that shoulder injury made him a pretty bad hitter for 2 years like if he suffers another injury how's that going to affect his swing long term so maybe that gets priced into the contract but like i looked at it um, cuz i knew they'd be moving off center field like george springer got 6 160 from um, toronto and, like, that seems like a comfortable number for everybody involved with Bellinger. Um, like, like Springer's a more consistent hitter, but he can't play center anymore. And, uh, like, that's kind of the trade off with Bellinger. Like, he's been very good, but also there's risk involved, and you might be moving him to make room for PCA, so he might be moving to first base long-term, or something would happen with Hap, maybe left field long-term. I mean, Hap's extended already, but you never know. Like teams make decisions all the time like that so yeah I, I don't know like it just it, it again like I I don't think you pay him as like Mike Trout money but I think it's there's a price that works and like he's been so good it's hard to see him go
0: yeah well the good news is this um if the Cubs do keep Bellinger and it doesn't work out long term Jed's an idiot if they right. don't let him you know if they don't keep him he's an idiot even if he ends up being awful afterwards precisely Uh, if if pca comes up and strikes out he's a bust so i mean there's absolutes no matter what the scenario which is the great thing
1: the key is you get to go online and assert that you're smarter than the people who (laughs) are actually running the team who have been doing this their entire lives and i think running a baseball team is the toughest executive job in pro sports just because there's so many levels you have to manage like there's four minor five minor league levels and Like even the draft, like if if you had NHL GMs try to do like a baseball style draft, I think they would all just quit on the spot or you have to factor in like signability and give them a cap on that. So I don't know, like obviously you want among that group, you want the best one possible, but I don't think it's as simple as like, well, if they just did what I said, they'd be fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I guess Jed, I asked uh, Evan Altman before the season back in December, I was like, what do you grade? What do you what kind of grade do you give? Jed and I believe his answer was an incomplete which made sense because it was hard to say he got Swanson but there were still things to do and things to see how they were going to play out and I'm not ready to say he's Theo and I'm not ready to say he should be fired I feel like right. when you look at the when you said you know you uh zoom out and look at the big picture it's kind of like alright um, maybe he has an idea of what he's doing here and you know not overpaying for guys that people wanted to keep versus getting the right guy in free agency I mean you know, there's got to be, st- I think he probably has an idea of what he's doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I completely agree with Evan's grading there. I, I would still say incomplete. Um, yeah, though, same. Like skewed yeah. towards the better side of that. I just yeah. think his plan since 21 has been 2024 is like the year they really are shooting for. Like that's when his plan comes together. And if you look at all the prospects that like that's like their ETA to make the majors. Like PCA might be up this year, but it was always looking at like a 24 timeline. Horton, I definitely think they're saving for the second half of next year. Wicks is probably a twenty-four contender, um, but like I thought, his whole plan was to build assets around that and then bring up like all their prospects they really liked around that time, um, and also have other prospects that they could maybe flip this offseason or at the deadline next year or whatever. So if they bomb next year, I'm going to have a pretty negative view on Judd's plan. Like if none of these prospects work, of course, out, like, yeah. you, know, you built for this and it didn't happen. But the fact that they're contending this year, which I think was sort of an expectation that they wouldn't, they wouldn't be the Braves or the Dodgers, but they would be in the race and like next year actually have a really good team again. Like that's on track right now. So I I think next year is where I really start to think like, is this, is he the guy long-term, but so far he's gotten more right than wrong. And if his plan was a three-year pivot to contend again, like it's on track. Like it's, there's not a lot you can really knock on that, on that strategy.
0: Oh, the other, the only other thing I was going to also get to was, um, so the Cubs run differential going into Saturday. They're like one of six, I think, National League teams that are in the positive side of that. They're one of the better teams that run differential. But I mean, Jeff, they're in third place. So obviously they should be in the negatives, right?
1: (laughs) So here's the thing this is my nerdy math tangent, but hear me out. Probabilities. I guess that's the biggest thing. We'll evaluate probabilities rather than possibilities. Um, it is, that narrative nothing has driven me more crazy on twitter this year than that and i've changed my twitter handle to run differential insider the idea that like okay so they have a really good run differential they're underperforming as of the last time i checked by seven games um base runs it's even better i think they're underperforming by eight games if you look at that and you just look at if you take out any emotion about the chicago cubs you look at that through out time what's more likely a team that has this awesome run differential that's underperformed it in the win-loss column to play better and win more games, win more to use a semi NHL term, greasy games and uh like win more one run games or just have the converge, like actual win-loss to projected win-loss or, oh no, they're actually down here and all this run differential stuff, which you cannot fake in any way, no matter what people say, like, that's going to, they're going to lose a bunch of games by 10 runs and that'll come back to, to Earth. Like, it, it would be a very weird case if, like, they were faking having a, what was it today, as of today, plus 76 run differential?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which I would think or whatever. Yeah.
1: I didn't see the Padres' final score, but it was on pace to be the third best in the league as long as the Padres lost by more than four last night. Which they lost like it was 10-5. 10 to, Okay, yeah, it was 10-4 when I turned it off. So yeah, it should be third best, and they're currently plus three today. So it just, like, the narrative you have to construct to say their run differential is not indicative of their team, of their ability, but their win-losses is, like, insane. It's like they're only playing bad teams, and when they play the bad teams, they win by 12, but when they play the good teams, they get blown. It's like, well, none of that bears out in the stats. It's not how any of this stuff tends to work. Um, you can have like you can outperform a bad run differential and have a better win loss, but it usually doesn't go the other other direction in the grand scheme of things. Like the Brewers typically outperform their projected wins because they have a good bullpen, they win close games. This year they've got a good defense. Like I can buy that they're outperforming. They're what negative three runs, four runs on the air, but they are four or five over five hundred. Like I can buy that just with how the team's constructed. It's really hard to go the other way and like have it make sense long term. Usually those yeah. Like, Cream like rises to the the top over time, so yeah it's it's such a dumb narrative because it just doesn't make a lot of logical sense like when you try to break out what's actually happening, so I think like now what we 're seeing with them winning games is more indicative of who they are when you look at the second order win stats, but we'll see how that holds up over time,
0: yeah, they don't make the playoffs or. You know, they're a positive run differential, but every other team in the Central is negative. Then obviously they are focusing on the wrong area or something.
1: You've also just got people who <laughs> want to hate their them at all times or just want to. Oh, of course. They've, they've, they've dug in so much that this is like the worst team and poorly run and everything sucks that yeah. they like have to just pick out the data points that fit that. And it just like doesn't makes sense like like, as soon as they got over 500 like oh they're still in third place like well yeah they can't control like that the reds won games over that over that time they can't play two different teams in the same night yeah
0: that was my tweet but obviously people are starting to catch on i guess because i'm not getting not nearly enough negativity and flack for stuff i say anymore so but i guess people also know
1: it's a a tip off that it's yeah in front of the meta sense of Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think people pretty much realize I can't remember what it was recently where I said something and it had a positive. Everybody was (laughs) like knew that it was a fake or it wasn't it wasn't legit, (laughs) whatever I had said or commented. But yeah, before we close, so this team right now, 2023 Cubs, um, what do you compare them to? I guess like do you think of the 03 Cubs, the 07 Cubs or do they even have that same, you know, it's a great question.
1: I think they're a better team than the seven Cubs were, which was more yeah, of a product of just being a bad division and kind of muddling along until the playoffs. Yeah, um, yeah. Or they played a I mean a Diamondbacks team that wasn't awesome but was better than they were
0: Yeah. Yeah. Due yeah.
1: to a number of circumstances love that series. Um, this is maybe a cover, like a Diet 2015 Cubs where
0: oh, okay. they yeah.
1: are playing better as the year goes on, but they haven't it's not because of like all their prospects are up here. Like that team just infused so much talent in the first half that it sort of clicked at the same time. Um, they haven't called up like their Chris Bryan or their. Um, at the time, we had high hopes for Addison Russell until he turned out to be a terrible person and yeah. whatever. But like that sort of thing, like Arietta went into God mode for the second half <laughs> of the year. Um, they they're not they're not winning. It's weird because it's like th- that was a run that i think is similar in terms of win loss and and like ability as this year's team but that was because of a few concentrated really high end performances whereas this is like everybody's playing really well all of a sudden yeah. you know a couple of small exceptions but like this isn't just Cody Bellinger hitting a bunch of home runs and powering him over like Justin Steele going out and putting up a one ERA in the second half like this is everybody's playing well at the same time and they're they're jumping from like middling first half to really like looking like they can beat anybody at this time. If they you know, win the series with the Braves, I feel like you can make that statement pretty safely that they can play with anyone. Yeah. Um, so I'd say like 2015, but different circumstances, like different ways it's happening, but it's like the same trajectory. Like I said on Twitter, the Talkman thing is like their Chris Bryant walking off the Rockies in 2015 moment where it's, you know, that was a big swing game for them. They won in dramatic fashion, but instead of it being the, Top prospect in baseball hitting a walk-off home run it's like the journeyman is having the year of his life making a big catch like I think that's kind of an appropriate metaphor though for how they're doing it it's Talkman's playing great or like Nick Madrigal's finally becoming a, a playable major leaguer Swanson's playing to kind of the high end of what you would expect him to be able to do and Bellinger's resurging like it's just all these things kind of bubbling together to to be good so yeah I'd say diet 2015
0: yeah. Well, when the Cubs probably don't win the World Series this year, Jed should have sold at the deadline. So <laughs> Yeah, of
1: course. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're unless you're one of the top two teams in baseball, you should just trade all your good players to one of the top two and just that's how it should work because there's no such thing as good enough.
0: Yeah, I, I do feel like, you know, if they were to sell at the deadline, especially after losing the eight or uh after winning the eight in a row or whatever, um, it just feels like I mean, I don't know. I know they're a big market team and they get they can spin if they want to, but right. maybe a guy like whether it's Otani or whoever looks at it and goes, well, are you serious about winning or not? Like you just, yeah. you know, there people are looking there's a perception too. So I feel like it just shows that they were ready to like, let's, let's just do this. Let's try to contend here and build off of that. So
1: yeah. And players talk too, right? Like yeah. the Cubs have a very good reputation for like their facilities and how they take care of their players. But it's also, I don't know, like if Bellinger does hit free agency and he's, talking to Boris, like you want Boris to tell other players that the Cubs might be considering, like, oh, like he really liked playing there and they seem to like it's a club that cares about winning and it's not just seeing it from our perspective, but like these guys all know each other, they all communicate and if it's they're hearing glowing things about the Cubs commitment to being a World Series contender, it's gonna it's gonna trickle down throughout the league. So no. It's um it, it's definitely good they're they're trying and I, I brought this up um on Twitter but like are they that much worse than the Phillies were last year, a year ago? Like that team was mediocre for six months, and then turned it on yeah. the playoffs. They didn't have a big run. Like I think they made it with eighty, mid, like middle of the eighties wins. They never had a period where they looked like, oh, the Phillies are world beaters. Yeah, but they played well at the right. T- they got it and they played well at the right time. Um, and like I just don't think this team. This team is I think maybe two or three games worse win record, win loss record wise. But like I don't think they're much worse than a team that made the World Series last year. It's just about getting in and then who you play and how you play against them. So it's,
0: yeah.
1: do there's, there's reasons to tune in. There's reasons to believe in them and I think it only gets better from here.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think they've definitely trended in the way we would hoped when we talked last year around this time. Right. We were hoping they'd even be into this point. So maybe next year they will be, um, you know, the Atlanta Braves and going 100-0 or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: They'll we you get Otani, all of
1: a sudden it becomes, a lot of things become a lot more possible in terms of, optimism
0: yeah well it was good to chat again and uh we'll definitely keep up on twitter and just keep tweeting ridiculous statements and see what people believe and don't believe it's the best
1: right it's the absolute (laughs) best to uh, when you just drop like i dropped a proposal to trade taylor (laughs) mcgregor at the trade deadline for today i got some incredible feedback on that one so don't worry i won't (laughs) stop uh tweeting absolute nonsense to try to pull in the uh the people who don't read it critically
0: I know. i can't think of some of the the ones where i commented on something not that long ago a couple months ago or whatever and people really thought i was being serious and then when i actually said you know i was joking they're like oh yeah go ahead and backtrack now i would that's when i'm just liking their tweets when they're like is this guy insane on drugs you know it's like okay cool they finally they finally bit
1: yeah exactly but <laughs> it only gets worse the more people that pay attention because some just don't understand how humor works
0: yeah or they see me comment enough on your stuff to realize i'm in on the joke basically yeah
1: exactly three two one